Yesterday we spoke to you about the Mamulat that Muraqabu Kufatalbi has to be done in a backdrop in a context of Tilawati Quran, the retrieve and istighfar. The sixth practice, but that's not daily. The sixth practice is called Rabbitai Shaykh. Rabbitai Shaykh. So in total there's six things. Tilawati Quran, Istighfar, Salawat, Yani Durtrif, Muraqaba, Wakufa Kalbi. And the sixth thing is called Rabbitai Shaykh. Rabita. Rabbitai Shaykh. Rabita. What does that mean? So this is the first thing I want to explain to you. Rabita Shaykh number one means being in the live sohbah when possible. So mashallah you came for some itikaf if you're from South Africa so it's a clear expectation that every year you should sit in full 10 days sunnah itikaf with us here. Then we come to South Africa two, three, four times a year in total so that you should part sit in those gatherings and you can travel also to the different cities for example, you would see there are 50 odd brothers from 40 something brothers from Cape Town here. So that means the German people can come and spend five days with me if I'm at Cape Town. Right? So you can also travel. It's not just me traveling to you, you can also travel to me. Right? As mashallah, many people did here in this itikaf. So that's open otherwise. So one is the itikaf, one is when we do a program in your local area, third is that you travel within the country. Fourth, you can join us on Umrah. Fifth, you can join us in England. Sixth, you can join us in Pakistan. So there are different opportunities for live sohbah. Second, Rabatah Sheikh is like we've told you many times to listen to Beyond and Majlis. Try to listen to live Beyond, live broadcast of Beyond, broadcast of Majlis. That's another way you get sohbah. Third is to listen to the recording recorded beyonds on the internet, there are many beyonds there. All of that counts as Sohma. Alright. Then there's another meaning of Rabata, which is correspondence, follow-up, WhatsApp, email, etc. So many of you had questions that what are we supposed to write, how often are we supposed to write. So the general rule of thumb is that a person writes once every two weeks. General rule of thumb. Some may write less than that, some may write more than that. Sometimes I might write you back and say you're writing too much. Sometimes I might write you back and say I haven't heard from you in a long time. Roughly once every two weeks. In that, what will you write? So you can say rough rule of thumb is once every two weeks and as and needed. Or once a month and as and when needed. Alright? So maybe I, let me just put it more simply for you. Once every two to four weeks and as and when needed. Okay? What do you write? So number one, you write about your Murakama. You're doing it, you're not doing it, you focus, you don't focus, how long you're doing it, what lesson you're on, which lessons you're doing. Number two, you write about your Bukufi Kalbi, your ability to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, you share generally your spiritual condition. And that's up to you. You may write about your tahajjud, you may write about your general prayer. You may also write about your difficulties, that you're struggling with lust or anger or envy. So this is your own report of your tazkiyah. How are you doing? Right? So somebody asks you a question, normally they mean your physical health. So this is, Rabata means you answer the question, how are you doing as regards to your spiritual health? These are the type of things you write. Other things people can sometimes write is request for du'a, just wanted to say salam. The truth is people write all types of things. <laughs> if I was to show you, you'd be amazed actually. There's a very wide range of things. 
people write. Mm-hmm. It's rare that I actually correct someone or I stop someone from writing something. Every now and then I may tell someone to write a bit less so that there's space for the others because there's only so much time we can give to reading correspondence, right? This covers how much, how frequently you should write and what you should write. Now understand that many times what you write is simply to inform me. And so the response for that is actually not a response. It keeps you on my radar. It makes me remember you. It keeps me up to date and lets me track what you're doing. That's it. I won't necessarily respond. I just know. And actually a lot of our time is spent reading. So because we do, alhamdulillah, I can still say that I read you know, 98% of WhatsApps and probably 92% of emails that come to me. So because I make a point to read everything, so that gives me less time to write because I have to read. By reading, I'm informed and I'm aware and I make dua. Second, there will be some times that you will want to have a correspondence where you need feedback, you need response. For that, you should do WhatsApp as opposed to email. Because email is just flooded. So you can imagine that email is a one-way correspondence. WhatsApp is also one-way correspondence. And WhatsApp can also be two-way correspondence. When WhatsApp is being used as two-way correspondence, there's not going to be a direct one-to-one ratio. You understand? Like I give one dollar, I get 12 rand. Right? Or they put it the other way, if you want to buy a dollar, you have to give 12 rand. Right? So sometimes you might get a response at the first WhatsApp. But you may have to send two, three. You may have to send three, four. But eventually I get around to the WhatsApps. Sooner or later I get around to. So my reply rate on WhatsApp, those that merit replies, that's about 80, 85%. Right? And that means that the person who sends it again, they're pretty much guaranteed to get the reply. So that may be also sometimes you may have to put it back in the pipeline. And you should also try not to expect these things when you know I'm extremely busy. For example, anybody who had the good idea to send me an email on 21st Ramadan. <laughs> All right, now they put in five minutes off. Right. So they put in 21st Ramadan. There's so many, 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 many things that have been stacked up on other emails that have come. By the time maybe Eid, second day of Eid, by the time I... So imagine you come to the desk, right? So you put something on the top of the desk, but I'm not sitting at the desk right then. So other people keep putting things, so by the time I show up at the desk, you're not on the top, you're way on the bottom. <laughs> right? At one point I tried, but I wasn't able to do it. But I had, had an idea in my mind that on the website, you would actually have three colors. Green, yellow, and red. Green means, relatively speaking, I'm available online on WhatsApp these days. Yellow means I'm fairly available, fair and available, and red means forget about it, right? So better that you don't put that paper there, right, at that time. I remember last year, a couple of people sent me some extremely urgent when I was in Takaf, and I didn't, you know, and they must know. <laughs> it's not possible to know. You may not always know my schedule, but things like this you will know, right? So I was wondering, what are they thinking? <laughs> Are they listening to Bihan and they know the schedule or they think I'm ready to, so I couldn't do, I mean, there's no question. Emergency, please respond in three days. I read it like 15 days after it was sent, right? So then it's a good idea for you to be regular on the website and see where I am, right? Generally speaking, uh, if, I'm tra- if I'm in Pakistan, I'm more available online and and when we travel sometimes like you mashallah also make jam-packed programs so the other country people are the same as you right so you make sure when i'm in your country i have no chance of responding to an email even uk sends me and the uk people will make sure when i'm in their country they keep me so busy that there's no chance i can respond to any email you send me and this is something you should work out between each other then since you're all here now huh <laughs> Here, Yunus, huh? You, you can ask him my schedule there, and you can ask him if 
and that's Kendola I have free time, right? So I normally do these things in the car, in the plane, in Pakistan. I get around to it, but there's a time. If some time has elapsed, then you should resend it. Because sometimes it may happen that your thing just got lost. It's there, but it just got lost in, from attention in the stack. Alright? If I asked about resends, I could probably say, in terms of WhatsApp, 98 or 99% of a resend, I will definitely get back to it. Alright? Okay, this covers what to write, this covers how often to write, this covers pretty much what you need to know. Alright? The other thing I wanted to tell you tonight was continuing about Muraqaba. I think there's something some of you didn't understand properly. Number one, question, when am I ready for the next lesson? Alright. Now, some of you have this misunderstanding. You think that you're supposed to do Muraqaba, do Muraqaba, do Muraqaba, and the very first time you feel something for one second, you're ready for the next lesson. No, you just arrived at your existing lesson. It's like running, running, and touching the wall, and that's it. No, if you arrived, if you finally have done enough Muraqaba that is finally opening up, now you need to do that lesson. You've just begun. <laughs> You've just begun. It's like a person saying, you know, I was reading the textbook, and I couldn't understand, I couldn't... And I finally understood. One page. So I put down, give me the next book. So now you finally start reading the book. <laughs> so you finally started understanding this topic. Read the book. Read it once. Read it twice. Go deep. <laughs> you understand now, right? Some of you are coming and you think you're... <laughs> I felt something for one minute in Morocco. Am I ready for the next lesson? No, you're not ready for the next lesson. Huh? You felt one minute, so you just did this current lesson for one minute actually so far. Hmm? And especially if you want to do zikr for tazkiyah, that you want to do enough zikr that takes out those sins, then you have to spend even more time. I hope this part is clear, right? So you must take time. You should not be in a rush to progress. Sometimes, mashaykh for ulama. Sometimes they give them one, two, three lessons within the span of one, two weeks. But that's because they're giving them a lot of work to do. And their feeling is that, okay, I may not see them again, so better load them up. But for non-ulama, it's never that. And for many ulama, it's not going to be like that either. But for non-ulama, you want to spend time, few, few months at least, few months at, in few months doing it properly. So for some of you, it takes few, four, six months just to get to doing it properly. So once you're doing it properly, then you want to do it a few months properly before you want to try to wonder about the next lesson. Next point was the reason some of you had this question was because after we explained to you, you wanted the cure. <laughs> so you realize that there's a cure for these five major illnesses. So let's say, for example, somebody has a lot of envy. So I give them lesson one. Let's say they just give bath on the strip. But they were thinking, but I've got envy. I need to get to lesson four. So let me explain this also. Every single latifa, when you do zikr on that latifa, it does your general tazkiyah. It's an additional point that it does a particular tazkiyah also. You understand? It gives you general health. So when you're doing zikr of Allah's name in your kalb, it's not like that only is going to cure your lust and everything else remains untouched. No. It is curing your whole batan. So it will help you in your anger and in the greed and in the envy and in the pride, which is the other four lataif. Alright? So every latifa, every zikr has a general effect. In addition to that general effect, it also has a particular effect. Alright? So don't worry that, oh, I have a big problem with pride. What's going to happen? I'm on second lesson. If it's going to take me a few months, and it's going to be one, two years before I even get the lesson that helps me with pride. So then I'm doomed to have pride for the next one, two years. Hmm? Huh? This is going to blame it on the sheikh. Huh? Why do you have pride? Sheikh didn't give me the lesson. That's why I have pride. Huh? No. <laughs> every lesson, every lesson does, does give the whole system. All right? Other point is that these first five lataif, each one nourishes the other. So sometimes we give the example, imagine five flowers on the same flower bed. So when you water one, 
the water flows and trickles each to the other. Another way you can understand is when you water one, the water seeps down into that soil which has all five flowers. So that's the general tazkiyah. So that's the whole button. Anytime you do zikr of Allah's name on any latifa, that's a, that's a flower, that's a plant, that's a seed. But the water goes into the whole soil, that's your whole button. When the water goes into the whole soil, then it flows into all the seeds. Now from this example you can understand that every lesson does general tazkiyah. And by general tazkiyah means when you do zikr on latifa kalb, it does help you with anger, it does help you with greed, it does help you with pride, it does help you with envy. Right? But doing that particular lesson just has an extra special effect. Put it rather this way, another way you can understand it, that the climax will be reached when you reach that lesson. So when will all pride be erased absolutely entirely? That's when you get fana in lesson number five. But when will the sins of pride be erased? That can even be done just on lesson one. Right? That is another question that somebody asked that... Uh, is it an entire cure? So there are levels of cure. Levels of cure. First level means that I will never commit a sinful act due to this emotion. So I'll never do anything sinful due to the feeling of lust. What does it mean? The feeling is still there, but you will never act upon it. That's the first level of tazkiyah. That you're saved from actually committing sin. Second level of tazkiyah is that the feeling goes away. Feeling goes away. That takes a long time. That's decades. Right? But is it possible? Yes, it is possible that a person could actually do so much zikr, do so much tazkiyah, and along with the ittibai, sunnah, wa sharia, taqwa, along with sharia, leaving sin, taqwa, following sunnah, etc., that they may actually, it's possible to reach a state that a person never feels unlawful lust. But you will never know that you've reached that state that you must always remain in precaution. You will never know that you've reached that state. So nobody can tell you this, that I have reached the state where I no longer am capable of feeling lust. Therefore, I shake hands with women and I do this and I do that. Right? No, no, it's not possible. No one can know this about themselves. It is possible in, that a person can reach it. Because, like I told you, Allah Ta'ala has not made us responsible for something we can't do. So it is possible to eliminate unlawful lust. It is possible to eliminate unlawful anger. But we will never have that level of self-confidence in ourselves. Alright? Nobody should ever think. And it's true. The reality is this is extremely rare. Wali of Allah Ta'ala who can reach that level. Hmm? But what does happen, what definitely is very much in reach, the ability not to act on those feelings, that's very much in reach. You see... Let's take anger. When Allah Ta'ala says, وَكَاذِمِينَ الْغَيْذِ means the feeling of anger is still there. But they don't act on it. They can never act on it. That's tazkiyah. So the anger remains, but it's swallowed, it's suppressed, it's contained. They never do an act, sinful act or sinful statement or sinful deed due to that anger. So the same thing will happen with lust, same thing will happen in greed, same thing will happen in envy then yes, as you go, the feeling will go down. But to say the feeling has gone away entirely, it's very difficult to say that. Very difficult to say that. Alright? Then another way you can understand the levels. Is that level one is a person who doesn't sin, but is still sometimes tempted to and is still attracted by the sin. But they never do it. Level two is they never sin, and they, sorry, level one is that they almost never sin. Actually, that's level one. They almost never sin. 98% they don't sin. But every now and then, once or twice a year, there may be a slip. But it's still considered tazkiyah because when they slip, they immediately make tawbah. So basically imagine like a wiper, like the windshield. So as soon as the raindrop comes, that automatic wiper, it wipes it away. That's, that's level one of tazkiyah. So what does it mean? It can't stay for more than a second. As soon as it comes, it's wiped away. So level one of tazkiyah is almost never do they do a sin on that feeling. 
if ever they do, they instantly wipe it away with deep istighfar and tawbah. That's level one. Level two is that they don't sin at all. But they still feel sometimes attracted to the sin, tempted by the sin, but they never do it. Level three is that they don't sin at all, and also now they don't feel attracted and tempted by the sin. But the latent feeling remains inside their humanity. It's not possible they can take it out. But they're no longer attracted by it and tempted by it. So because they're still present, that's why we can never think that any rule of Sharia is waived on us. Is that understood? Right? Okay. And because shaitan is always there, your nafs is always there, anything can happen. Right? Our Mishayik would say in Urdu, that Allah Ta'ala does not trust your nafs. Hmm. So how can you place trust in it? Hmm. Huh? What does it mean? But Allah Ta'ala gave these rules hmm? that you owe a mahram. Allah Ta'ala tells the woman that you cannot show your beauty except to these, these, these people. Anybody other than that you cannot show. So Allah Ta'ala didn't trust. Hmm? First cousin says, no, she's like a sister to me. Allah Ta'ala said, no. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala says, no. He says, no, she's just like a sister to me. Her mother's like a mother to me. Tawbah? Huh? Hmm? She's not. Sharia doesn't give her that status. It doesn't matter what status you give her personally. Hmm? The person might not be lying. The person might actually be telling you truly, I have no lust for her. I can't look at her that way. I would view it as incest. She's my cousin. I've grown up with her. I would be repulsed to think like that. He might even be saying the truth, but it doesn't matter. Sharia acknowledges that you have the possibility any moment that this could change. Any moment this could change. Hmm? So it doesn't, it doesn't get eliminated. The potential doesn't get eliminated. So we say it remains bil kuwa bil ihtimal, but it's finished bil fa'al. This is for the ulama to understand. It remains bil and bil ihtimal, but it eliminated bil fa'il. That's as much as we are mukallaf of. Alright? Then somebody asked a question, in fact I may just knock them off now, that can we not do la ilaha illallah zikr at all? So understand actually, when la ilaha illallah is done in lesson number 8 and 9, you have to do it 1100 times and 3000 times and 5000 times and 7000 times. It's at that level that we're saying that it's better that you do it, right? But somebody occasionally wants to say la ilaha illallah, that's not a problem. That's just, that's not viewed as the formal zikr, right? It doesn't mean now you can never say kalim la ilaha illallah because Sheikh said I can only do zikr of Allah and lataif. It means at that level, at that rigorous level, we do that afterwards. Afterwards. Alright? So whichever one of you asked that question, that should, and that one person wrote very sweetly, that I love, I love this sentence, la ilaha illallah, and I know I'm missing it, and how can I never say it? Right? But you can say it every now and then. That's not an issue. That you can never say it now. Right? But that level, what Amr Shaykh meant, the sabak of la ilaha illallah, and sabak means thousands of times, doing it thousands and thousands of times, that will be done later, right? Any questions? Yeah, I'm going to be very restrict your questions. The last time I did this, Garbarwa. Hmm? So no, I haven't even restricted yet. You raised your hand. Okay, I'm about to restrict it. Hmm? <laughs> Any questions? Only and specifically, and only on Morakaba. Yes, whenever you, if you have more than one lesson, sabak, so an Arabic and Urdu word is sabak. A little bit of Arabic, Urdu, you have to learn. Alright? So if you have more than one lesson, whenever you sit, you must go in order. What happens, however, if a person says, okay, let's have on third lesson. I sat in the morning for 20 minutes, I did the first lesson, 10 minutes, second lesson, 10 minutes, and then I had to go. Now I want to come and I've got another 10 minutes for you, I want to sit and do my third lesson. 
In this case, you just have to touch upon them. So one minute, one minute. So if you want to walk through them to reach your recent lesson, that's fine, but you must walk through them. You must spend one minute on them each before you reach your current lesson. Another thing is that you cannot do them simultaneously. You can't make near of both. Hmm? Stereo surround sound. Huh? No. Yes, you must make near of one at a time. Namana. No, that you can call their extra marakaba. So that wouldn't be your proper marakaba sitting for that day. But some people do that, that when they're planning to sleep, and they know they're planning to sleep, what they do is they make a one-minute marakaba and then go to sleep. And they have the hope that then all the time they're sleeping will count as zikr. And Allah Ta'ala mentioned this in Quran, Allah dina yadkuruna Allah qiyamu wa wa ala jinnubihim. So they want to do amal on that, that they remember Allah Ta'ala standing, sitting, and lying on their sides. So in order to get amal on this ayah of remembering Allah Ta'ala by lying on their sides, so before they go to sleep, they make one-minute muraqaba, or then they fall asleep to that. So that's fine, but that we won't call that that that's the muraqaba for the day. That's sleep, and they're just adding a, a layer of muraqaba to it. No, it won't be that, it won't be that beneficial. Well, there is one hadith, Mulan Ishad, is asking if I sit in a comfortable. Hmm? So there's a hadith of the Prophet, which we traced down to two sources, in which Nabiya Kareem said that people who, and Hazrat Shaykh Ladi sometimes also mentioned in Fazal and Zikr, that those who make Zikr reclining comfortably and comfortable, you know, Allah Ta'ala will grant them a special high darajat. So there's nothing lost. You can be as comfortable as you want in Muraqabah. It doesn't matter as long as you're able to focus. Alright? As long as you're able to focus. Another thing I remembered about zikr is that if you skip zikr, it's very harmful for you. Very harmful. You see, and I explained this to you the other day, imagine a hip student who only tries to memorize Quran 10 minutes a day. But imagine the other one who is memorizing 2 hours a day, but then he leaves it for 10 days. So he memorizes for 10 days, for two hours a day, and then ten days he does nothing. So the hipster stars here will tell you he's going to go right back to where he was, he's finished. He'll lose it. Hmm? The Muraqabah is like that also. These gaps and the days you miss, it's not just that you missed that day, it makes you lose the days that you did put in the effort. You don't want to be doing that, you're resetting yourself back at zero. Right? Remember I gave you this example that maybe you have to sit for a hundred hours before you reach gold. So you sit for 10 hours, 20 hours, but then you miss it for 10 days. The clock is reset at zero. The clock is reset at zero. So it's very important never to skip it, never to miss it entirely. Now in order to make sure you don't skip it, skipping it means you did zero minutes, right? So this is what I call erase the zero. You can erase zero by writing a five. There's no way anybody is so busy that they can't do five minutes of Morocco in 24 hours. So sometimes do it at least just for this reason, I better erase the zero. Or I forgot to do it all day, I was about to go to sleep, I must erase the zero. Don't let there be a zero any day. In theory you can erase zero even by one or two, but five is a decent amount. Show something. It's, it's trying to maintain it. You won't go forward, but at least you prevent yourself from sliding backward. Yes. No, no, you only make muraqabah of Allah Ta'ala's name. Reason is that when there are two, two or three verses in Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala mentions Asma'ul Husna, but He always in Qur'an mentions the verb Dua. Lillail Asma'ul Husna Fad'u Hu Biha Make Dua to Allah. And when Allah Ta'ala mentions His name, وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكْ وَتَبَتُّ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا 
وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكْ بُكْرَةٌ وَأَسِيلًا So whenever Allah talks about His ismi zat, ismi jalala, Allah, the verb used in Qur'an is zikr. And when Allah talks about asmal husna, the verb used in Qur'an is dua. So our mashayikh, they took the understanding of zikr from Qur'an. So they made this principle that when you make zikr, you only make zikr of Allah's name, Allah. And when you make dua, you can call upon asmal husna. No, there's no qaza concept of muraqabah, but you can be strict on yourself if you want. Yeah. So what will happen is if you do a good thing like set targets, some days you might fall below them, then it's your choice. If you want to be strict on yourself, you can say, okay, the next day I have to catch up. You could do that if you want, but there's no hard, fast rule like that. There's no must. This is what we call in, in fiqh, iltizam ala nafs. You can make it required for yourself. But in of itself, as far as saluk and tasawuf and the path goes, that's not required. Okay, so if you made intention to sit for one hour, and you had three lessons, so you did, let's say, each lesson for 20, 20 minutes, and then you realized, okay, I have time, or I'd like to sit for another hour, what can you do? It's your choice. You can do the second hour the same way, 20, 20, 20. You can do the second hour all in lesson three. Generally speaking, it is better to give your current lesson more time. Current lesson should be given more time. Generally speaking. Okay, so the intention in Muraqabah, so when the Shaykh conducts Muraqabah, that leads me actually to the last topic for the Sitakaf, which I wasn't sure whether I do it now or do it next year. But let's see. So sometimes we say something, right? We explain it to you in different ways. Close your eyes, bow your head. You can think that, but you don't say that out loud to yourself. But you can put yourself in that process. And many times you won't feel the need for that. You can go straight into the Merakabah. Generally though, it is good to start with this process that you are making zikr of Allah Ta'ala, Fadhkuruni, Adhkurkum, Allah Ta'ala is going to make zikr of that Latifa, Allah Ta'ala is going to do Tazkiyah of that Latifa, and in gratitude for that, and due to that process of Tazkiyah, your Latifa is making zikr of Allah Ta'ala's name. This is the core intention, right? So I'm remembering Allah Ta'ala from my Kalb, because I made this niyat to remember Allah from my kalb, fadhkuruni al-kurkum, Allah Ta'ala is making zikr of my kalb. Right? What I told you before, it's Allah Ta'ala's zikr of you that does your tazkiyah. It's not your zikr that does tazkiyah. Your zikr invites and attracts Allah Ta'ala's zikr of you. When he does al-kurkum, when he does zikr of your kalb, walakin Allah yuzaki mayasha, when he does tazkiyah of your kalb, then when your heart feels this, that Allah Ta'ala's zikr is coming on me, Allah Ta'ala is doing tazkiyah of me, then in gratitude, in love, your heart starts making zikr of Allah's name, your heart is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. This is the real formula of intention. Now sometimes because, maybe according to the topic of the bayan, sometimes we explain it to you in different ways, but the core intention is this, that Ya Allah, I make niyat that I want to remember you from my kalb, in such a way that I forget everything and I only remember you. Ya Allah, you promised in Qur'an that if I made zikr of you, you would do zikr of me. Ya Allah, I asked that now you do zikr of me by doing tazkiyah of my kalb. And you, then you feel and you should be sure and certain it is happening. And Ya Allah, in gratitude for that, in gratitude for that, my kalb is making zikr of your name, that my kalb is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. So this is really the core intention. So this should be made before you sit for Muraqabah. But you don't have to say it out loud. It's up to you. If it's niyat in our deen is something that's an understanding of the heart. For some people, in order to bring about that understanding, 
they need a formula, a sentence. Sometimes people even utter it, right? You don't have to, but sometimes there are people who feel the need to say it. So they stand and say, they say in a whisper, I am praying for God, for the door, facing Kaaba, for Allah. And then they go like this. You can if you want. You can utter it if you want. If, but that's an aid to create the understanding. If the understanding is already there, and you know that that's exactly what I'm going to do when I shift and listen to, I, it's the same thing, and you can just shift. As long as the understanding is there. Yeah. You will over time get the hang of this yourself, right? Because there can be so many mathematical combinations of how many minutes and how many lessons and how many sittings in a day, right? The general rule of thumb is that you yourself will overall, not in any one day, but across days and across weeks, you will be getting a feeling of which lesson maybe you neglected and need to give more time, which lesson you've given time. Over all across days and weeks, you will get that feeling and you do your mark accordingly. There's no set formula or ratio that I will give you. Amen Mo. So the question is, is it better to split up your Merakaba or to do it all in one go? In the beginning, because your ability to focus and concentrate very long may not be there. So for the beginner, it's sometimes better to do it in two, three smaller sittings because you focus and concentration. Do you want to be pushing that horizon? And if you reach this level that you can maintain your focus and concentration for one hour, then in that case, doing it for one hour straight is better than doing it for three times or 20 minutes each. Because the longer you do it in a stretch, always the deeper you'll be able to go in that zikr. The deeper you go, then the more tazkiyah will take place. Okay, go ahead. You picture nothing, no imagery, no conceptualization. You imagine what I already said it earlier. No. Yes, we close our eyes in order to forget the world. Closing the eyes is an aid to the tabattal. Badkur isma rabbik wa tabattal ilayhi So we close our eyes to turn off the world. Because in Salah it's prescribed worship, so we follow the sunnah way. So the sunnah of Nabi Akareem sallallahu was that he kept his eyes open in Salah. Imam Ghazali even wrote about this in one of his works that if a person says that they concentrate better with their eyes closed, they should still keep their in salah. They should still keep their eyes open in salah because it was the sunnah of Nabi Karim to keep his eyes open in salah. But in Muraqabah you're free. So then it, the better then you do whatever method helps you concentrate more. Name. First question is, do you make niyat of wukuf kalbi before muraqabah? No. When you're doing muraqabah, you don't need to do wukuf kalbi. Right? It's like if you put all the lights on, should you light the candle also? No need for that. Right? Okay. The second question is, if a person falls asleep in muraqabah, don't worry. Uh, inshallah, you can hope that that time will count as muraqabah in terms of ajr and sawab. <laughs> But because it wouldn't have had that focus and concentration, it may not change your spiritual state so much. Yes, yes. Equality matters in everything in life. And equality obviously matters in zikr.
Right now, the questions are restricted to only in Morocco now. Azefa, hmm. Pandora. Yes, if you ever attend uh, Bian, and you can attend Bian's of other Mashaikh, and let's say that Shaykh after his Bian does like after we do after Bian, we do Zikr our way. So that Shaykh after their Bian, they do the Zikr their way. So in that case, you would just sit and do your Marakuma. Amal Buddha. Generally speaking, for you people, yes. When the Shaykh is conducting Marakuba, what should I be doing? Which lesson should I focus on? You always focus on the Kalb in the group Marakuba. Muhammad Darsat. No, Marakuba should be naturally able to be done anywhere and everywhere. If you restrict it to a particular place, then you're restricting the amount of time you'll be able to do it, right? In fact, many times we tell people to try to do a bit of Marakaba everywhere. In your shop, sometimes sit in your chair, office chair, and do some zikr there. You see, we need to bring zikr back into all of our spaces. Otherwise, if we only do zikr when we're in the masjid, then it, we're training ourselves that you will remember Allah in the masjid, and when you go to all of your other spaces, whether it's your home space, workspace, etc., then you won't remember Allah Ta'ala. So as you know, you need to bring the zikr back into all those spaces. Once Nabiya Karim Sallallahu in fact, he told Sahaba, and he wanted them to pray sunnah, rakats at home. He said, don't make your homes into graveyard cemeteries. Don't make them empty of ibadah. So one wants, actually, every room in my house, I should be able to do muraqaba. Every corner of my office, I should be able to do muraqaba. Yes. Yes, if you're free, if you're a passenger car and the driver's okay with it, you say, when you drive, I'll make Marakaba, tell me when we get there. Yeah, it's, a, it's an opportunity to do Zikr of Allah Yes, Tariq. Neck pain is good. Yes. It's good if your neck pains. No problem. No problem. We're perfectly fine if your neck pains. Yeah. We've, we've, for so many other efforts in our life, we've experienced physical pain. So the neck pain is just because it's new. Over time, your neck will get used to it. But in the beginning, yes. Right? Like when a person engages in physical fitness... Sometimes they get a bit sore. But if they do it regularly, then they don't get that soreness anymore. So sometimes a Marakaba person will get a bit sore. The neck can get a bit sore, can get a bit stiff. Yes, you can then. At intervals in the Marakaba, you can try to soften it, right? You will, you will be the one who tells me that. Does it take your focus off? That's up to the person. There might be a person who says, no, I don't really have to bow my head to the left when I'm doing the first lesson. It doesn't make a difference. Another person will say, no, if I, if I bow my head to the left, I feel like I'm listening to this. If I bow my head to the right, I feel like I'm listening to that. If that's his case, then yes, shifting it would shift his focus. Yes. You have to get them accustomed to it. <laughs> yeah. You must openly you must openly share this with your family. No, no, it I mean it depends on the person's family and your ability to explain to them. But you know, I mean one level is explaining to them that look, this is something I'm doing, you don't need to understand it, but leave me alone, let me do it. A second way of explaining is you try want them to understand it and do it also. That's better, right? But it depends if they're ready for that or not. Right?
In all of South Africa, that's the case. So you should share with them that this is another way of making zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? For now, we're not going to tell you that. Well, you can do it other than you too. Okay, the next point is that there's something called tawajjah. Question and answer session is finished. <coughs> so, this was something I was originally going to tell you in some other year. But because it may be something you hear about, so maybe I will explain it to you. So in Tasawwuf, there's a concept called Tawajju. Tawajju. What does Tawajju mean? Now you will not be able to fully understand this concept. Nor am I supposed to fully explain this to you. Hmm? Yeah. So I'm going to show you a little bit of what this is. Tawajju is, you can say, when the Shaykh directs the spiritual attention of his heart to the spiritual heart of the murid. You can almost imagine like it's a type of dua. Right? So imagine if somebody makes dua to Allah Ta'ala, that, oh Allah Ta'ala, make this person's heart fill with the zikr of your name. So a person can make that dua, right? Yes? Okay. So, Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, مِن شَرِّ حَاسِدٍ إِذَا حَسَدٍ What does it mean that there's an evil that emanates, there's an evil that emits from that person who has envy in their heart, the moment he has envy. As soon as the feeling of envy comes in their heart, it emits and emanates and has an evil effect on that person whom they have envy for. Do you understand that? Okay, just like that then is the opposite, that the moment the feeling arises in the heart of the shaykh, that they have love or concern or care for the zikr of the student, it has an effect. Now somebody could direct their envy towards somebody, right? So that makes the envy burn even more, right? That's a conscious, then a person will consciously do that. One is, says, okay, I started feeling envy for that person. Okay, you started feeling envy, that came on its own. And then is that I dwelled on that envy. I then directed that envy to that person. So then the power of that emotion gets stronger, right? So just like that, the shaykh can take this emotion of doing tazkiyah of the student and make the power of that emotion stronger. That's all I can tell you on this topic. We should be happy. Hmm? So it's like if there's a general light and then you point the flashlight at someone. It's like that. So this is called tawajjuh. This is called tawajju. So one place this comes in a hadith in Bukhari. I'm trying to remember which Sahabi was it. Maybe Abdullah bin Umar. I can't remember. There was one young Sahabi. And in those days what was happening was that after Fajr, Nabi Kareem sallallahu started asking the Sahaba if they'd seen a dream. If any of them had seen a dream the previous night. And so then a few days this happened and Sahaba would say. So then this Sahabi says, and he's narrating his own self, that I started wishing I would have a dream. I started wishing that I would have a dream so that next time when the Prophet asks, did any of you see a dream, I could tell the Prophet and then he would turn his tawajju. Waj is from face expression, means he would turn his special face expression focus on me. Hmm? So there was something there that he wanted, right? All of you should try to work hard on your muraqabah, on your waqafiqalbi, following the sunnah, the things that you learn in these majalis. It's enough explanation now. You have enough explanation and enough instructions to do the work. Some people, their questions will never end. And some people, if you give them a chance to ask questions, then they enter the realm of hypotheticals. Right? That well, if a person had one hour, if a person had two hours, huh? If a person... If a person sitting in daylight saving times happened during the Merakabah, huh? your questions will never end, right? Hmm? Oh. 
But right now you have been given enough instruction and enough explanation to make the effort. You've been given enough instruction and explanation to make effort for a long time. I didn't know all this when I first came back. Hmm? But we're telling you stuff that we've learned over years. So that's why I know you know way more than enough now. So then we call this series of majalis from this year, Ramadan, to an end. We make dua that Allah Ta'ala put barakah on what was said. And we ask you also to now stamp out any other issues, questions, focus on what is known, and focus on what was understood. Never let yourself be distracted to focus on what is unknown and what is not understood. That you'll never make progress in anything in your life. Focus on what is known and focus on what is understood and make effort and make more effort. When you focus on that which is known, Allah Ta'ala can open up other knowledge for you. When you practice that which you understand, Allah Ta'ala will guide you to practicing that which you yet to understand. Hmm? That's also a hadith. That, that person who practices on the knowledge that they know, Allah Ta'ala grants them more. Allah Ta'ala grants them more. So you've been given more than enough knowledge now about the sawwuf, tazkiyah, rabata, muraqabah, wukuf, kalbi, zikr. Now is practice. May Allah Ta'ala accept our sitting here and spending these nights in search of Him. Make Muraqimah close your eyes, bow your head, disconnect yourself from everything in the world. Make niyat that your heart is making zikr of Allah Ta'ala's name, that your kalm is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. Allah, 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 Allah,